the hell's going on in the Milwaukee Brewers? We, <laughs> I know it's a little too early. It's only three games into the season. They're sitting at one and two. Uh, let's let's take it back a little bit. Thursday was a fun. Is it freaking hot in here? Or yeah, it it's really me? hot. Holy shnikes. It is like it was like the hotter than the devil's britches in here. All right, so Rowdy, Thursday, Brewers have a phenomenal win on opening day. Uh, you know, it's the cardiac crew. They come from behind to get her done over the Minnesota Twins. And then Saturday, Saturday, I was listening to a lot on the radio. I know you and RJ were going back and forth uh, on our DM Twitter account or uh, our DM Twitter messages that Oof. we have about CB Buckner, how terrible he is. That uh, that ump. How, that guy stinks. Yeah, so... God, it's hot the, here. I saw there are these statistics out there, you know, where it's like uh, they put them on those pitching tracks where they grade out every yeah. single Major League uh, Baseball umpire. Yes. And they came out with statistics that says, like, the best umpires in the league miss about four and a half calls a game that the simulator or the tracker can pick up. Yeah. Because you can clearly see where the and, ball strikes are. Yeah, and the lesser umpires are missing between six and a half and seven uh-huh. calls a game, balls and strikes. I got to 12. Oof. Where he, and they weren't just like little misses where, you know how where it's still a strike if any part of the ball crosses the plate. Yes. So it can be like very minute, small uh, we're talking. We're talking fractions here. Yeah, like 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 very f- small distance of whether you can be off or not. Yeah, I'm talking about clear, concise. You missed it horribly. Calls and there were twelve of them on that Saturday game. Because you were, you had a keen was, eye on the that TV. Was over both it. ways. The, it, the Brewers got some calls where it was clearly a ball that were for strikes. But out of those nine, I'd say about eight of them were in favor of the the twins and four of them were in favor of the brewers but it was brutal i saw i saw some um cuz the pitch tra- you like sometimes on on in- instagram on twitter people will throw up like the pitch tracker and just say how to your point like you, you're keeping track and obviously the internet never forgets anything but when i saw corbin burns on the mound he was throwing like straight up like down the middle strikes and buckner was calling them balls like right away it was absolutely terrible but what a game! So well, I mean, we'll bitch about Buckner coming up, but Rowdy. Well, I'll, I'll go one further. It wasn't even him, but it almost like it went in. It like seeped into the Sunday's game because there were some bad missed calls on Sunday too. It was like Thursday, and I'm not just saying that because the Brewers lost. Yeah, I don't think the strike zones had any. Well, no, the Brewers' offense didn't do anything. So. Yeah, the strike zone didn't have anything to do with why the Brewers won or lost. Yes. But it was just terrible since Buckner got behind there on Saturday, and then on Sunday it was better, but not much. Who was at home plate on? Do you know who was home plate? I don't yesterday? know who it was. Well, it wasn't Buckner. I know that, but Buckner got drilled in the. What happened to Buckner? He got drilled in the throat. Oh, was you that hate Saturday? to see it. Uh, and, and I don't think it. Hopefully, did it knock any common sense into him? I don't know. But Saturday was. If you like pitcher duels, my God, uh, Saturday made history. Uh, Jose Barrios was electric. Uh, also, Adrian Hauser, or I'm sorry, um, Corbin Burns was electric. As those guys, wow. It was the first time in the modern era that both pitchers went over six innings, no hits, and striking out 10-plus batters. Yeah, and did you see when Corbin Burns lost his no-hitter? Did you see what they did? They the, put a mean mat- the home run? Yeah, right before it, though. Did what you happened? see what the broadcast did? No, I was listening on the radio. 
Oh, what? Oh, the Matt Garza. They put up a Matt Garza graphic about the last time a Brewers. Now, why would you do that? Uh, pitcher slash game had this many. Uh, now, why would you do innings that? with a no hitter? And it was a Matt Garza versus Aaron Harank. By the way, I think I might have been at that game if it was at Miller Park. Because I was yeah. at, I was at a Brewers game where Aaron Harang brought a no hitter pretty late into <laughs> the game. Wasn't that guy like six? Wasn't he like a huge monkey looking guy? Like he looked like a yeah, ragnatang. He's a big guy. He but, looked like a ragnatang kind of. He was they huge. flashed the graphic up, and I kid you not, like the next batter, there goes the no hitter. That's just bad. That's just bad juju, man. You can't be throwing. And wasn't it earlier last week when we were like lamenting over Matt Garza because someone brought him up? I'm like, I, I tried to forget about that. Yeah, man. you couldn't have flashed up a worse graphic. Probably yeah, Matt Garza stinks. The only way it gets worse than Matt Garza for starting pitching with the Brewers is probably if you put up a Jeff Supon image. Uh, yeah, so Saturday it was uh, Jose Barrios was absolutely lit on the mound. He struck out what he struck out twelve in six hitless innings and then was pulled. And by the way, if I'm him, I'm pissed. <sighs> I'm pissed too. I'm pissed at Rocco Baldelli for taking me out because he was he was ball. He could have had a no hitter easily. And then who got the hit? It was was it low? Who got the hit? There's one hit in that game Omar on Saturday. Nervias. Yeah, Nervias. One hit on Saturday for your Milwaukee Brewers. One hit. Yeah, if I'm Barrios, I'm pissed. You're taking me out of a game when I got a no hitter okay. in the seventh inning. So Barrios, really? and then I would be pissed too. Barrios, and then three relievers combined on a one hitter with 17 strikeouts. 17 strikeouts. Corbin Burns was looking electric too, though, man. I mean, he only had one. He blinked first. It was a home run. Uh, the Brewers' offense literally did nothing, though. Nothing. I mean, the Brewers' offense literally did nothing the last two games. Yeah, of the series. Uh, we're going to talk about it today. But what uh, what a pitchers' duel it was on Saturday. First time in the modern era. First time in the modern era that two pitchers. Had ten plus strikeouts and allowed no more than one hit. I mean, both didn't give up anything. Um, that's insane. So, yeah, Bur- I mean, Barrios, that the guy. If I'm him, a no hitter going into the seventh inning, he's at 84 pitches, and then all of a sudden you get pulled. I don't care. Yeah, I would be. How livid. many times are you in that position? I would be absolutely. Livid. You would think with being at 84 pitches, by the time he hits about that 100 pitch mark, yeah. he probably would have made it through seven innings. And then you got to figure a way through two. But if I was Corbin Burns, I'd be pissed too about being pulled. Same. He just gave up a home he, run. He that was literally it. Get, he missed his spot one time. It was one nothing after that. That was it. And again, he was at 87 pitches. He missed his spot one time once and a guy took advantage and obviously left the ballpark, but it was one to nothing one when they to pulled nothing. Corbin Burns. And then when you pull him, obviously Suter came in, gave up another run, but you didn't even allow him an opportunity yeah. after that fine of a performance to win the ball game. Well, right before he gave up that home run, you know, I was uh, looking at Facebook and Twitter and it was, it was, oh, he's coming up on the seventh inning guaranteed council is going to pull him no matter what. And yep, well, I mean, I would have left him. Here's the thing, though, Rowdy, one nothing. You give up the home run. It's still one nothing. You could think that your offense, your bats, would wake up a little bit, and I don't know, help you out. Maybe get more than one hit. But here we are. Brewers lose on Saturday, uh, two nothing. Well, that was another thing. For the whole series, the Brewers left a ton of runners on base. I mean, moved the was, story uh, forward to Sunday. Well, hang on. On Thursday, it was we had 12 runners left on base. Um, Saturday, let's see It was here. only three, but 
they didn't have many people on base. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they had what well, they have one. How many hits did they have on Saturday? One, one, one hit, and one was it one hit, one walk, and one hit by pitch. Yeah, that's that's it. So left on base to Rowdy's point, yes, three. And then advance the story, as Rowdy just said. You look at yesterday, the Brewers lose 8-2. to two. They have their first home run of the season. Uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. had a nice little dinger. Before that, I think Manny Pena was, had a sack fly. But the Brewers lose 8-2 to two on only five hits, and they leave seven runners left on base. Um, yeah, but in key situations. Yeah, big time. What the hell? Okay, are we under the guise that it's just it's only three games of the season? Let's not start freaking out yet. I will say this. The Brewers averaged in the low threes for runs per game. They were one of the worst teams uh, scoring runs last season. Yeah. Well, through three games, they're below three runs a game. Oh, small, small, oh, min- minuscule sample size, but still. Oh, my God. Uh, so looking here, um, I'm trying to see. How's Keston here been doing, Rowdy? Because that was our one concern. <laughs> Not well. That was our one concern over uh, opening day, right? Because only Hero is the only guy that that really contribute too much. So at, at the plate. Not very well. Obviously, he doesn't have and a whole lot of yesterday, uh, didn't he? statistics to show. And he's swinging at a lot of pitches. He's swinging at a lot of pitches out of the strike zone. He's obviously chasing. And kind of like Christian Yelich last year, he's taking a lot of good pitches yeah. and swinging at bad ones. And then you move it forward to the to the field. He actually looks decent in the field when you look at uh, fielding the baseball coming at him or making... Um, tosses to the pitcher who's going to cover third where he seems to have had the problems even in spring training is making the throws to second base yeah, he had an error yesterday doing yep. that. and that's at least the second or third one since spring training but do you think that's going to be i mean that's teachable right that's correctable moving but i forward. tell you what though from what i saw yesterday what he did i would have benched his ass in about the sixth or seventh inning was that after the, the, the it was a, it error? was a foul ball and it hit off the side of the wall. Yeah. And instead of like trotting over or, you know, waiting for it to stop and then going and picking it up, like a little leaguer, he threw his glove at it. What? You know, like the bad yeah, kid. I hate like that. Where, or like, or if it was like, well, they say, don't want to run after the ball. Yeah. So or like, even say, like, um, say he was playing first base in little league uh-huh. and uh, someone hits like a fly ball. Yeah. And you touch your and they your threw the glove up. up. Yeah. He did that, but it was like, it was like a, a foul ball that went by. He literally threw his mid at it. What? I would have benched his ass right there. So what? Get the f off the field. I don't think I've ever seen a major leaguer ever do that. I never have either, because Whoa, because it shouldn't ever be allowed past little league. That's insane. Do it once in little league, you're never playing again. So again, I was listening to the radio, so just because you know of uh, the jackassery when it comes to uh, Hulu yeah, Live and I, Sinclair. I, I was texting a few people. I about lost my mind when I saw him throw. His I glove. have never seen a major leaguer th- do that. Ever, ever, ever. Wow, that's insane. So Keston Hira, I see the phone lines blowing up. One second, 608-321-1670. Keston Hira on Saturday goes, what, a two at-bats, nothing, two Ks. Yesterday he has four at-bats, nothing, two Ks. He is now, he doesn't even have an average, Rowdy. He's zero. Yeah, and there's another thing. Yeah, I don't think he has a hit yet. The other thing is he's struggling big time. Obviously, you haven't gotten too much offensively out of Arcia and Urias, though both have looked really good in the field, which we knew is what they were going to bring to the table. But the guy that really hasn't played a whole lot since that uh, opening game, Travis Shaw, the guy that had the best game opening day. The mayor. 
The Mayor didn't play yesterday. He's had, did he? I believe, three at bats in the last two games. Oh, he got a pinch hit yesterday. Yeah, and it was. was it was the very last at bat of the game. It was well, it a meaningless matter. at bat. Yeah, they're already losing. Wow. All right, we have all we have some stuff to talk about today. Our guy Roger Insto on Twitch says, "Did the Brewers forget their good bats in Arizona?" Yeah, I think they might have. Because in Arizona, the Cactus League action, the Brewers were one of the best teams in the majors at bringing runs across the plate. Right? Yeah. And then what yeah. the hell happened Saturday? Sa- I mean, well, Saturday... You just chalked it up as a good pitcher's duel? Saturday, I'm I'm going to chalk it up as those were two guys that were both on and extremely on. Okay, so Corbin Burns could make a case for Cy Young. Hell, he did last year. He's just a third of an inning away from qualifying. And... Um, is, is I mean, I don't know much about Barrios. Is he is he like a Cy Young candidate? No, remember yeah. remember when you were asking me when we were talking about ceilings and floors for Woodruff? Oh and, yeah, and you okay? And yep. I go, and you're like, so you thinking a win on Saturday for the Brewers? And I go, well, both guys, if they're hot, have some really good wipeout stuff. Yeah, and well, you saw it because Barrios, his biggest thing was uh, control and not walking batters. If he's not walking batters. He's normally yeah. pitching pretty well and can be nasty. Well, yeah. you saw the best version of him on Saturday night. Yeah, he was insane. And he I mean, was like crazy good. Burns was Burns literally was right there with him. Burns was electric. Um, and a lot of people. Oh, it's no, a shame. Home run. He gave up one run. That's it. Yeah, it's a shame that that he had to lose that game after that type of a performance because it and, took what Barrios did. To be better than him. Well, look at Corbin Burns. Six and one-third innings, one hit, which was the home run, 11 strikeouts, and an ERA of 1.42. Yeah, and the difference was one batter. Instead of it. instead of striking out one batter, <laughs> Barry, or the batter took of, a yard. Yeah, instead of uh, striking out one more batter, was that, the Bru- batter was took uh, Burns' yard. Yard. That's yeah. that's that was the difference. That was literally the only difference. I was I was driving uh, home from Spring Green. He missed his spot one time, and you could you could hear the um, God. Well, I don't think it was you that was on the call at the time when the home run happened. It might have been. Uh, I don't remember, but it was just so like oh, and there goes Burns. Oh, and it's out of the park. You know, but yeah, it was uh, the Twins. Barrio struck out twelve. 12 to Burns as eleven. What a what a duel of arms. On Saturday at Amfam Field, and then yesterday it was—I um, mean, Hauser didn't do bad yesterday. What in five innings? No, see, this is another thing. You could have argued, you could argue that even Adrian Hauser was pulled early. So early in the game, I tweeted out Adrian Hauser. Rowdy all over Twitter yesterday, by the way. First just the whole weekend. I love love to see it. Uh, you could have people argued, on everywhere, Rowdy. Yeah, you could have argued that Adrian Hauser was pulled early. Now they went with uh, Billy McKinney, who did get a base hit, and it did lead to a little bit of a rally, which then was thwarted when um, they couldn't score with the bases loaded. Yes, which is stupid. I hate that. But even then, early in the game, you could tell that Adrian Hauser was fighting his stuff a little bit in the first inning or two, and then all of a sudden he found it, and he pitched extremely well. Uh, late into the second, and then obviously third, fourth, and fifth inning. Yeah. And then they pulled him. Obviously, no one out of the bullpen pitched too well on Sunday. No. But, no, no, no. But that's what this is like a. This is one of my favorite activities. You know, it's baseball season, and it, nothing like it already starting game two with me and Craig Council differing when pulling <laughs> pitches. Yeah, Rowdy and Craig Council are like the exact opposite philosophy of uh, what, how to use your pitchers. I would love to see you and Craig in a room together, uh, deciding how to run a baseball. Th- like, 
it's like a make a wish foundation, but it's like for you, Rowdy, it's your they give you a wish granted. You and Craig get to manage a game. Like you get one day of the series, Craig gets the next day. Well, I'd, and then I'll whoever you, does better, uh, the fan vote gets to do the third game. I mean, you could argue either way with Hauser because his spot was due up and it did start a rally, and they just needed someone to come through. So I, I hundred percent get that. But the Corbin Burns, dude, after let him stay. one guy takes him deep after literally giving up one hit, but he's been that dominant. Oh, and by the way, he's only at like what was it, around eighty five. Yeah, pitches. it was nothing. He still had. You get you get through that. He still had at least the rest of that inning. Yeah, Rowdy, could you imagine? And that at least, as a competitor, I'm pissed off if I'm getting taken out because I've thrown that well. It was one bad pitch. I'm now down one to nothing. You take me out of the game and with and eleven strikeouts. Yeah, but there's no possible way I can win this game. Eleven. At best case scenario, when Burns was taken out, was he gets a no decision if the yes. Brewers came back in the next inning and scored a, a run to tie it. I'd be pissed too. You think now about didn't even allow me to get a no decision or a win. You literally just took me out and the, that great of a performance and all I can muster up is a a loss. I don't I know the pitchers aren't thinking about this and no one's telling them it because Barrios didn't know how well Burns was doing after I was listening to some after game comments and Burns didn't know how good Barrios was doing. I mean, I, I'm sure they somewhat know. But if once you're in the zone like that, Rowdy, no one, no one ever comes up to the talk to the pitcher, and be like, "Hey, man, you, oh, you're sitting on ten strikeouts right now," or "Hey, man, you know, oh, you know, Barrios got ten, you got eleven. Blah, 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 blah. I don't think anyone's saying that. Have you ever seen the movie uh, for the love of the game? Yes, with Kevin Costner. Yes, where he started getting deeper and deeper into his uh, perfect game, and <laughs> and guys started uh, moving away from him on the bench. Yep, he's like, "Hey, what's going on here, man?" Well, Rowdy, you don't do that to a pitcher, right? Like that's isn't that like an unwritten rule? Yeah, you don't bring it up. It's kind of like you don't bring it up when you're when you when they got a no hitter and it starts getting later, you know, into that sixth inning. You don't really say anything about it. You just kind of go about your business. And that's exactly why the broadcast effed up by putting a Matt, Matt Garza's Garza. face on a graphic. Imagine if you're a Craig Council or you know anyone else in that ballpark, and you and someone whispers in you, you're like, "Yo, dude." This is the first time in modern history that two pitchers have 10-plus strikeouts and have not given up a hit in the same game. Now, I doubt anyone's whispering in their ear, but just imagine. And Craig Council's like, pull him. Burns, pull him. Pull him. God, I, I was so disappointed to see Burns get pulled on Saturday. It was one It was one home run, Rowdy. A whole entire game of just dealing and then you get one, because there's literally no, one run. There's no pulled. guarantee that the guy that you're bringing in is going to have his A stuff like Corbin Burns had his A stuff that night. Yeah. And look at, you brought in Suter, which I like Suter. I think he's a great, great reliever, Same. great spot starter. He works quick. He he mixes up his pitches. Guess what? He didn't have his A stuff, and he gave up another run too. Yeah. Leading into the weekend, it was like a Friday news dump. Our guy Graham Mertz spoke with the media, and Mertz was talking about kind of, you know, how they got spring ball underway, but the struggles of last year. And, yeah, COVID was there. You know, Mertz got a little Rona, and it was out for a little bit. But here's this as well. Mertz said that he had a shoulder injury, and that contributed to the three-game losing streak for the Badgers, but he's not going to use it as an excuse. Uh, Here is Graham Mertz. It comes with playing the sport. You get hurt and, and you go through stuff like that and having to get like a cortisone shot during the week, stuff like that. But I'm, I'm not the one to sit here and make excuses to how I played. And having a little banged up shoulder doesn't doesn't justify losing three games and playing like that. So uh, I'm not going to sit here and make that an excuse because it's not. 
So Mertz got it against Michigan, the second game of the season, and then Mertz is playing that game in much of the last five. Uh, definitely paled in comparison to the show we put on against Illinois, right? Now, was that because Illinois' defense is so bad? Mertz says he's not using it as an excuse, but the reality of the situation is he did have a shoulder injury. Um, after the Illinois game, though, let's see here. After his debut against Illinois, he threw just – uh, what was it? Against Illinois, one incompletion and five touchdowns. So are they saying that it occurred in the Illinois game? No, in the Michigan game. Okay. okay. And then and then after the Michigan game, the Badgers went three straight games without scoring at least 10 points for the first time in nearly 30 years. I was going to say, because he was lights out against Illinois, no doubt. Obviously, I think every single Badger fan that watched that game thought, oh my goodness. This is the quarterback everyone's been waiting yeah, for. Yeah, but everyone's like, well, Illinois' defense is so bad. It's like, but, well, how come no one's ever done it before against Illinois? But then you go and you fast the game of the year. <laughs> you fast forward to that <laughs> Michigan game, and there were times where he made a lot of good throws. Mm-hmm. And he yep. looked not as good as he did against Illinois, but again, the level of competition was probably raised a little bit. Obviously, Michigan recruits a lot better than Illinois does. Yep. Now, the season itself didn't turn out the way that most Michigan fans thought. <laughs> but you would say the level of competition was better with Michigan. Yes. And there were some throws where he made where you're like, yep, this is the guy. There's obviously going to be a little bit of a learning curve. He had to take two weeks off. He wasn't practicing. Yep. But he still looked like it. But then when he fast-forwards to the Northwesterns, the Indianas, <laughs> He looked like trash. Well, he had threw just one touchdown, five interceptions, and lost two fumbles in those three games where yeah. the Badgers were losing. And I think you do have to take into account, though, that two of his top receivers were out for those games. True. If he was banged up, like he's saying, then he was banged up. And I'm still not letting the play calling off the hook. No, it was let's bad. not forget about that either. Well, no, the Badgers didn't let the play calling oh. off the hook either because. He- and I almost let this off the hook. I forgot about how it was the worst running back room that they've probably had in the last 20 years. <laughs> yeah. And they've they've re uh, they've re given job titles to a bunch of new people. Paul Chris has taken over some. A lot of things. And I wouldn't Rudolph, say that's re-giving. I'd say it's taking away some job titles. Yeah, and Joel Rudolph is now... Run game coordinator. In associate... Is he associate? Yeah, he's still the associate head coach. So, yeah, Paul Chris now has taken more under his uh, his hat, his belt, to do yeah. some things. But, yeah, Grant Mertz is not an excuse. You still got to go out there and play. He's not using it as an excuse. Um, you still got to bring it into the conversation, though, because he obviously was banged up because that offense... Because we talked about it, I don't know how many weeks in a row... Well, three, four weeks in a row. Like, what the hell happened to Mertz Mania? Where'd it go? And we were all under the guise that was the play calling and the two wide receivers I mean, being I, out. I think it still was part of the play calling. But there were still times. I think it's a combination of all of them, obviously, now. But, There's still yeah. times when Mertz was playing, you're just like, man, something seems off. Yeah. Well, like, he was off. missing throws brutally bad yeah. at times where it was like that Illinois game, everything, every single pass was on the money. Even the one incompletion that hit Groshak. He should have caught it. it. In the hands. Then you look at the Michigan game. And the majority of those throws, majority of those Michigan throws were on the money too or where yeah. they needed to be. Yep. And then all of a sudden you fast forward to the Northwestern game, you fast forward to the Indiana games, and we're talking about, you know, a guy running like a basic slant route and he's putting it like three feet yeah. above their head and to the right. Yeah. And it like those throws weren't even close to the receiver. And that's when he all of a sudden he'd be throwing interceptions. But those were throws that against Michigan and Illinois. He was putting right where they needed to be. Yes, right. no doubt. Uh, here's and, more from... Yep. I mean, back to the play calling. You look at that Minnesota game, and I know it wasn't Mertz in there anymore, but you have Chase Wolf yeah. running some plays, and you're giving it to Garrett Groshak for like nine yards of carry, 
and yet you decide to attack down the field when all you had to do was move the ball to win the game in regulation. Yes. Uh, RJ. Anyways, all right. Here's, here's more from Mertz. God, you're getting me. I'm getting a little hot and bothered. Yeah. I think it's just hot in here, actually. Yeah, I think we're What temperature do you think it is in here right now? Oh, it's got to be. 74. Yeah, it's got to be up there. I feel like it's in the 90s. It's like, for, I'm like, it's, it is balmy in here. Anyways, here's more from Graham Mertz talking about how he's been focusing on his drops and playing more smooth. For me, you cut on the tape and it all comes down to footwork. For me, being able to control my speed of my drop and really breaking down each step of the drop and how to play with great anticipation. These past two practices, it's it's kind of back to that feeling of just playing, and that's that's the part for me that's fun. Yeah, they're in spring ball right now. He says the game has slowed down for him. It's been great. The game slowed down a ton for me to just really just get more reps at it and, and having a spring ball to just grow and learn and, and make some mistakes, learn from them, and then move on and grow. And uh, for me, I think that this spring is going to be big time for me. Truly being able to focus on the things I messed up during the season and make sure it doesn't happen again. So it's it's going to be great. Graham Mertz, the, uh, this dude says all the right things, and he's very confident when he says it. I, I get, When he talks, I'm like, I believe him. Now, but now after hearing those things, we gotta do it. he's got to come out and play well again starting next season. Against yeah. Penn State September because 4th. They're, unless there's some foreseeable injury. He's going to be healthy. Yep. He's yep. going to have, again, and the game slowed I'm down. I'm going to for assume him, that Jalen Berger is going to be the full time starter. Hopefully, more than 15, 15, carries, 15 a game. carries a game. And I'm already seeing news clippings and highlights of Danny Davis catching one handed passes. Uh, Kendrick Pryor's also. With a new number. Yeah. Kendrick Pryor's <laughs> really? also going to be back. He's wearing a seven jersey. And okay, you have Kim Ray DK, who is going to be there yep. another year. Ferguson's coming back. Yeah. He'll be the uh, Mr. Reliable at tight end. With all those weapons, Barry coming Alvarez's back, grandson, really? He's yeah. got to perform now. It's got to yeah. look. It's got to look like those Illinois Michigan games again, yeah, or else it's just a bunch of excuses. Yep, Roger. Or <laughs> I call you Roger. RJ, you had something on the tip of your tongue. Yeah, I mean, some other comments, and I don't know if we have the audio, but they were like the whole quarterback room was talking about the new approach that Paul Christ is taking. Well, where, how about this, RJ? You want me to play it? <laughs> yeah, sure. Here you go. The emphasis on the little things and like. Being able to get up on the board, draw a play up, and explain it, and, and truly have complete and, and full confidence in that play, and and knowing every single part of it, and even in the run game, and really, it's, it's the attention to detail in, in that aspect that that Coach Chris really has been emphasizing in the eight weeks of winter conditioning, and then up to this point. So it's been great. So I feel like what was the yeah what was Joe Rudolph and the and John Budmeyer doing? I don't. I mean, well, my biggest he, thing, RJ, he basically he basically makes it sound like they're doing the John Gruden quarterback camp. Remember, yeah, when that used to be on, on yeah. TV, where you're drawing up the blocking schemes, so you know what the offensive line are doing, you know the the patterns, you know what your running backs doing, even on the run plays, you you're supposed to know where guys are going. Well, I what what was going on in that quarterback? Yeah, room? that's what I'm getting Not much, at. It's like yeah, when. Paul, what, well, he's not doing it anymore. What do we know about Paul Christ as a coach? That he was a great offensive coordinator, a great offensive mind, great at coming up with plays, great at working with quarterbacks. He's the head coach. Yeah. Obviously, he. I've never been in a room with Paul Chris. I've never seen how he actually works day to day. You know the ins and the outs. But I would imagine all that stuff that Graham Mertz just described is stuff that Paul Chris expects from his quarterbacks. Yes. Yeah. Every yes. single year, every single time they're in the room. Why was that all of a sudden not a thing? Yes. Yeah. He's 
Christ is great at exploiting the weaknesses of teams. Well, he's a, the offensive guru. Right. And half the time, I mean, we saw it well. He was the offensive coordinator here. Not a big playbook on, on games. Like, if they don't stop it, you keep running it. He just ran it out of seven different formations. Yeah. And Here's, then he throws in some motion right. and different looks to give you. Yeah. He's a, he's a brilliant offensive mind. Here's more, one more from Mertz talking about the standards at Wisconsin. They're high. He's ready to meet them. I think I think if you're not if you're here at the University of Wisconsin, you don't have those goals, and you're at the wrong spot. And we, we know what the standard is. We know where we want to go, and everybody's ready to. Was that a shot at someone on their way out? I don't know. Huh. Well, I think there. Another thing is, I'm going to so. put a little bit of this on Paul Chris, and I've been a huge Paul Chris guy. I'm thrilled that he came back to Wisconsin and what mm-hmm. the program has done and where it's going. But I'm going to put a little bit on Paul Chris too because you allowed for this to happen for a whole season, pandemic or not. Why didn't you step in and say this is not how we do God, things? What did he say during the season? It was um, that everything was out of whack because of COVID and this and that. COVID, COVID, Paul COVID, COVID. Yeah, I remember some of his comments. It was because uh, we were talking about Joe Rudolph and like, what the hell's going on with the offense? To Rowdy's point, yeah. And they just kept giving him a long leash. It's like take the take the reins back. Yeah. Like if if. See, this but goes it, back it, to, it's also one of those things. We've seen him be, this coaching staff, be loyal to a fault. And man, like some true. of it, you're like, you know what? I like Jack Dunn, and I like Krumholtz. But when you aren't playing DK or uh, Chandler, who, when they got their opportunity, looked better than both of those guys. Yeah. I mean, at some well, point. Well, Jalen Berger had 15 carries Right, a but game, at least he but, was getting the plays. Yeah, but then after 15, like, ah, yeah, yeah, but. When you have two wide receivers who look better than the two guys they're playing ahead of them, it starts to get looking at it like, what are you doing? And what I'm, are you I'm doing? all for, I would call, I guess, managers. Like, Paul Christ is the manager. He's the head yeah. coach of the team for delegating roles to make the rest of the players and coaches grow. But if they're not cutting it, you got to take them back right when you say it. Maybe a week or two of encouragement, like we got to try some new things. Yeah. But if you're not seeing any improvement, you got to take them back and fix things. Yeah. That's why you're the head coach. That's why you're the leader. That's why you're in charge. And and another one uh, with the running back room, John Settle, great coach, but he held a grudge. If no, if, got- if there was a little bit of perception of you, uh, uh, he felt you made him mad or did him wrong. You were not seen. Well, I don't know why. I don't know why by the end of the season, Jalen Burgo would hit 15 carries and then you'd never see him again in the game. Right. When he was clearly I, the best guy on the field. Yeah, that's one of those where you're like, yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. But now we got the guy who made DeMarco Murray and Ezekiel Elliott great. Our guy, Andrew Wagner from the Wisconsin State Journal, hitting us up. What's up, Andrew? Good morning. Uh, Robin Young, best brewer of all time, yay or nay? I mean, aside from Brian Charles, absolutely. <laughs> well, I threw up the name Unes- uh, Uni B, Unesky Betancourt. What do you think about that? My boy, <laughs> Uni B. Hey, who's your favorite obscure brewer of all time? Oh, man, I love this game. I play this game all the time. Like, I sit there and I'll spot, like, the most random jerseys uh, out of the press box. Um that's tough. That's a tough loaded one. Like I, I just like all. I love. I love loaded ones like that. Like you just find those guys that you're like, whoa, that guy. Mm, I that said I was on the team. Um, I had mentioned the likes of Uni B. That was one of them. I said Wei Chong Wang just because I saw when he came in one day he had a pink suitcase. That's and, a great one. Yeah. Uh, I just said um, G Man Choi just because I loved. G-Man Choi. He's the most recent one that's most obscure for me, I think. I love me some G-Man. Rowdy, who'd you say back in the day? Yeah, David Bush? Well, 
I, he's he's not that obscure though. I he's guess. obscure, but he was good for the Brewers. Scott Pasednik, but then I went with Brady Clark, David Risky. <laughs> All right, anyways, we were just going down the rabbit hole, Andrew. Dave Bush. Let's talk. Mark Zagurski, Gus Papadias. I mean, we could do this all day long. Oh, all day long, baby. All day long. And basically, just name a brewer from like the 90s or the early 2000s, and there's your uh, irrelevant obscure, brewer. Yeah. Uh, Andrew, let me ask you, though, brother. So, on the state in history, like I said, Robin Yount uh, went hitless. He only had one at bat on his debut. Speaking of going hitless, though, what in the hell is going on with the Brewers' offense? I know it's only three games, and we should probably just pump the brakes a little bit, but I'm in the business of overreacting at Sports Talk Radio because that's what you got to do. What is going on with this offense for the Brewers? Where are the sticks, Andrew? Yeah, that's it's you know we, we talked about that so many times during spring training how good the offense is looking and this is living proof that the numbers don't mean anything. Um, it, it's discouraging, but you have to look at the fact that they weren't exactly going up against you know three bums to start the season. Yeah, uh, you're looking at the the guy who was runner up for the AL Cy Young last year. You're looking at a guy who is one of the better young right-handers in the game. Uh, in Barrios, uh, who just pitched an absolute phenomenal gem on Saturday night, as did Corbin. And then you got Pineda, who had a 3.38 ERA last year. So, I mean, listen, the Twins, the Twins were good pitchers last year. I think they were fourth overall in the American League in ERA. Um, and I think their, their American League starters were like second. So, I mean, it doesn't excuse what the, you know, the Brewers didn't do against yeah, the Bulls. They're not going up against any schleps. You know? Right. You know, it's, it's, so it's, it, the same could be said. You know, just it, 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 it's tough because you, you saw so much good stuff coming out of spring training and then, then you know, come out and lay an egg like that in the first three games. It, it's definitely discouraging. It's definitely frustrating. Yeah. Uh, it definitely doesn't look good. So, uh, Andrew, let's kind of jump back a little bit here. You brought up, you know, Corbin Burns and Berrios just dealing. What an absolute – because that's what we were deciding. I was like, okay, it was a pitcher's duel. It's something that hadn't happened in the, you know, modern era of baseball. Two pitchers having 10-plus strikeouts going into the seventh inning. Um, It was – without giving up a hit, it was phenomenal. Uh, Speak a little bit about how – like, is Burns going to be the guy this year? Is he going to be that nasty? I know he was a third of uh, an inning away of getting a Cy Young – candidacy last year could Corbin Burns do even better than what he did in those 60 games last year I mean if we're going off one game absolutely um and you know just like we shouldn't jump the gun with a woeful <laughs> offense in three games you know we got to be careful but you know Corbin Burns gives you every reason to believe that he can do this on a regular basis um he also unfortunately gives you a reason to believe that hey you know success is futile at times but uh, you Every step that this kid has taken, every every step in his development has been successful and paid off dividends at some point. You know, yeah. is he going to go out there and do what he did Saturday every time? No. But is that like kind of, you know, the high end of things? If that's the high end of things, then, then things are pretty good. Yeah, I'm excited to see what uh, Burns is going to do this year uh, because, my God, he was electric last year and the way he started this season, just crushing it. So let's move it a little bit to what happened yesterday then. Obviously, the Brewers lose 8-2. to Jackie Bradley Jr. hits the first home run. Was it Manny Pena with the sack fly? My biggest question is, Last year, the bats really struggled for the Brewers, right? And one guy that struggled a lot was Keston Hira. Right now, I don't think Keston Hira has a hit through three games. Uh, should, no. we, should we be worried about the strikeouts and what's going on with Hira? I mean, 
he's a streaky hitter to start with. I mean, it just it, he, that's how he is. And you know, when he gets on one of his tears, you know, he can pop the ball out of the yard with a good sneeze. So it, it's too early, obviously, to, to freak. But you're always, you're always going to look a little bit and wonder, okay, you know, what's going on. Um, well, is it wrong if, if I tied into last year? This? Is it wrong if I tied into last year than moving into this year with Keston Hira? What was that? Is it wrong if I tie his struggles at the plate from from last year into this year? Like it's been a while now since he's produced. Um, I think so, just because of the nature of last year and the time in between. Um, yeah, and he looked good he, in spring he, training. Yeah, if we're still talking about this in a week, um, then yeah, definitely there's bigger issues at play here. But I mean, we've seen we haven't seen that much of Keston here here, but we've seen enough to know that. Okay, he's going to go through this from time to time, yeah. uh, and especially going up against hardcore strikeout pitchers, we yeah. know that that that's kind of his that's his you know Achilles' heel. So you know, let's see how he does when he when he gets down to Wrigley this week, and you know the wind is blowing out. How much things change? Well, that's the, that's the thing with Keston Hira. You know that some hitters like Keston Hira are going to go through hot and cold streaks. You know he can get hot, and when he gets hot, he could carry the team for a month by himself offensively. I think the biggest concerning thing is the fact that so far through the three games is the strikeout rate. Right, and again, that's he's not alone in that. I mean, the yeah. Brewers struck out, I think, what was it, uh, 36 times in those three games. Ooh. And yes, that was a problem that you saw last year, but you know the way those guys were dealing, it's just, those are three really good pitching. So that's what we got to tell ourselves, right? It's like, okay, the Brewers went up against the Twins, who are going to be very good this year, and they got some flamethrowers in that starting rotation. Right, and and it's it's not you know you can look at that as an excuse, but they are a good team. Yeah. That, that that's the thing, you know. The Twins, the Twins are a good team. They are a pick to to win the AL Central. They are a pick to. Maybe finally win a playoff game this year in advance. That's, that's a good <laughs> maybe, squad. Maybe win a playoff game, Andrew. Maybe. It was kind of funny. I did see some people <laughs> tweeting about how it looks like the Brewers are going to get their no-hitter out of the way early this season, a.k.a. they're going to get no-hit. Yeah. But, I mean, Berrios is like Burns, though. When he's got his A-plus stuff, he's one of the best best guys in the game stuff-wise. Absolutely. You know, and they, they've, they've been high on that kid for a long time. Uh, he's been up and down. He hasn't really hit his full potential yet. So I was actually really looking forward to that pitching matchup as soon as I saw the probables come out, you know, in spring training. Like, those two guys are, you know, those are those are can't-miss guys. Yeah. Hey, Andrew. Uh, Andrew Wagner joining us right now from the Wisconsin State Journal, Forbes.com. I want to talk, you know, the series coming up here starting today against the Cubbies. But let me ask you, man, three games in for you after a strange year last year, obviously. What's it like? Uh, how was that marathon game for you uh, Thursday and then Saturday and Sunday? What was it? Oh, such a four hours. <laughs> Four oh, hours. Hey, happy belated birthday. Yesterday was your birthday, correct? That it was. Happy belated, I, I brother. Finally, finally of age to have an adult beverage legally. Um, do you get any AARP stuff coming in the mail? Because I'm 33 and I'm getting a lot of AARP stuff I in the mail. I get that stuff all the time. I thought we were trying all to the save time, the trees, dude. What's going on? Why do they keep getting mailing yeah. this to me? All right, so, yeah. Andrew, let's uh, <laughs> over four hours on opening day. Um, oh. so, but at least it was hitting. worth it. Yeah, well, it was worth it, right? Oh yeah. You know, well, I mean, yeah. If you're a fan and you're sitting there and you're you're swilling cold one day, it's absolutely worth it. If you're tearing up your entire story, 
three rewriting it in three minutes now well that's the difference between no. the fan and the writer right as uh you got you're like impartial you got to be there doing a job so like you can cheer and enjoy slug beer the fans can what was the atmosphere like there and first first May. it was uh it was pretty lit it was it, thursday was pretty cool i mean that was it, there were i think twelve thousand people in there yep. and it Sell out. How about every that? bit like fifty thousand. that was that was, that was pretty cool. And, like, even the last two days, you know, the crowds have been smaller. Like, I think they've had about 11,000, 12,000 the last two days. They haven't had a lot to cheer about, but they've been loud. Like, they've, they've made up for lost time. So, yeah. you know, good for them. It, it's definitely a cool atmosphere to have, you know, people back in there again. Yeah, on Thursday, I would say for every time you tore up your story, I may know a guy that probably tore through a beer or two. I think I'm looking at that guy. It was great. <laughs> So, so Andrew, let's uh, the story you're going to be writing today. Hopefully, is about the Brewers winning, right? So, looking at this matchup for the Cubs Brewers tonight, what do we think about Brett Anderson taking the mound opposite of Trevor Williams? Could Brett Anderson, you know, be that guy to continue on with a good, nice starting pitching performance? Because I think that's been the theme right so far. Is the Brewers get out so. of their starting pitching? It's, it's then the bullpen, especially, kind of especially in Wrigley, you know, ground a guy who ground ball, keep the ball on the ground, keep it, you know, light contact, playing at Wrigley, that's that's what you want. Uh, Williams has done pretty well against the Brewers when he was with the Pirates, so he's definitely a guy to watch. But it's a great opportunity for the Brewers to snap out and, you know, get used to seeing the Cubs. You're going to see them, I think, nine times nine over the next couple. Nine times. times. Bueller, Bueller. All right, so, yep. Andrew, I – I know you know the journal, the big J's uh, that we love watching or reading your work at WisconsinStateJournalForbes.com. I like to say impartial. For me, I I have no problem saying this. I hate the Chicago Cubs with my entire being. My whole body just radiates hatred for the Cubs. I don't know what it is. They just bring it out in me. Is there a team uh, that you dislike, or since you are you know on that even keeled thing, or do you, do you go down that rabbit hole at all? I don't go down that rabbit hole, but I I guarantee during football season since I don't cover the National Football League. There are there are certain organizations that elicit a similar reaction from me. <laughs> we'll move it one one uh, step further. You don't have to name names, but you might not hate the teams, but are there a particular city where you don't like the journalists in said booth? Oh. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, so no maybe we'll save that for off here. All right, Andrew. I have to ask you, brother, and you kind of dragged me a little bit online, and rightfully so. I have never been to a George Webb, ever. Oh, oh. I don't even know what me. it looks like. I've never even seen one. Like, I've never even seen it. It's just a little, it's a 24-hour burger joint diner. It is, it, it's just a Milwaukee thing, I, I, and I love it. You know, it, it's like, it's part of growing up, turning 21, Getting you know hammered on Water Street, Hell hopping yeah. into Webs for a burger at two in the morning, and then getting the cab home. It's just it, one of those things. I love it. Uh, I've been going obviously since I was a kid. Obviously, I went in '87 to get my free burger. So, so you still um, have that burger in your freezer then? I did. I had the burger. I, I had the burger in my freezer for decades. Uh, it was in the basement. There was an old freezer in the basement um, when my great grandmother passed. Whatever it was almost six, seven years ago now, they cleaned the thing out and, and they threw everything oh. away, did not realize that that was in there. And it, oh, it made me so angry because for oh, whatever yeah. reason, 1987, the, I, I, I thought enough to stick this thing in a bag and stick it in the freezer and I held onto it for, you know, almost three decades. 
Uh, and then it was gone. Were you so, planning on? Yeah, yeah, we're gonna eat it. Were you planning on? Eating I don't know it? what I was gonna do with it <laughs> after was, the Brewers you know, win a World Series. That's, what, that's what I asked them. Brewers win the World 10 Series. Years old? The heck did I know about anything? I just thought it'd be cool to stick this in the freezer as a souvenir. I would eat it. <laughs> you didn't eat I it? mean, I did eat. We went to we went to like four George Webb that day. So you know, hey, I'm looking. My at your... family was all about the deal. <laughs> Hell yeah, my dad was all about. I was uh, probably eating a uh, kids meal all the way till I was like 13 if I was with my dad. It's like, oh, that. yeah. I thought he had you on it's that. More, it's just one of those little Milwaukee <laughs> would, things. You know, like everyone's got, everyone's got, every city's got their little thing. Cincinnati's got Skyline, Chile, Milwaukee's got George Webb's, and I, I, I love it. Yeah. Two clocks, baby. I love it. Well, my, my youngest brother is 26. My dad still tries to make him eat off the kids' menu despite having a full beard. All right, so I do see on your Twitter account right now at Andrew or by Andrew Wagner, you did retweet an Easter Sunday 87, Rob Deere uh, cranking a bomb ski. At County Stadium, that was uh, pretty cool. What'd you do for Easter, man? Did you get some ham in you? Some what'd you eat? What'd you do? We're no, beside, I, all right, you I guess you're at the ballpark, ballpark, aren't you? Ballpark all day. Did they have anything? Any food out for you guys? No, uh, not yet. Not yet. George Webb just mentioned me on Twitter. It's a Yoda I, tweet. It says, "Disappointed am I?" Well, I guess I got to make it up to old George Webb here, Andrew. All right, how about this? Next time, I'm in Milwaukee. I'm gonna hit you up, and we're gonna go to George Webb and Burgers on Me. How's that sound? Sounds good. Oh. Or we can just wait till the Brewers rip off 12 in a row, then, you know, Burgers will be on George Webb. Okay, well, the, the the march for 12 in a row, does it start today at American Family Field South? Yay or nay? No time like the present, my friend. <laughs> Andrew, uh, what are you hitting that train up going down there? Uh, this afternoon, 3 o'clock. All right, well, we're going to follow along at By Andrew Wagner on Twitter, your stuff at the Wisconsin State Journal, only your stuff when it comes to Brewers writing because it's the best. And also Forbes.com, right, my man? Thank you, my friend. Always a pleasure. There he is. Andrew Wagner. Tonight's the night. And no, I'm not talking Rod Stewart. I'm talking March Madness, baby. As it's the Gonzaga Bulldogs going for the undefeated immaculate season against the Baylor Bears. Uh, A one seed versus one seed matchup. Could this be finally the year for Gonzaga to hoist it all? But, Rowdy, real quick. Man, Baylor looks good, though, too. Don't they ever? Because Baylor just throttled Houston. What did they win? 78 to 59 over the weekend. And then. uh, You know, like when you you know a good shooter when they shoot the ball and, like, pretty much every single time they make it, it's a swish? Swish. That guy that has the mullet for Baylor. That dude. I don't know if I've ever seen him shoot a basket where it wasn't a swish. I don't think he's touched the rim in it's a the tournament. Mu- dude, it's the mullet power. He, he's he's like it's a, the power of the mullet compels you. He's Tiger Woods in his prime. Where like Tiger Woods, every time he made a putt, yeah, it was you're like, like you know center, it's good. It was center. It was like center of the cup every single yeah. time. And Tiger's like Tiger hits his putt and then he's already walking off the course because he knows that the ball's falling in. That's like that guy. That guy shoots a shot. He's already walking to, back to play defense and he's brushing his mullet before the ball even swishes. It's going to be an epic game tonight. But first, did you watch both games, dude? I mean, yes, dude. I watched more of the UCLA Gonzaga one because during the during the day, I actually was watching wrestling. I was watching the Olympic trials, right? And it was. The the end of Jordan Burroughs, Rowdy. I didn't know he was how old is he? Thirty two? Yeah, he's he's getting pretty up there for the And the guy and and who beat him? It was it was Dake. Yeah, Kyle Dake. That guy that was fun to watch, man. I've never I've never watched the Olympic trials. Those just those were in Madison not too long ago. So my my brother in law, I was down in Spring Green on Saturday, and uh he uh was an all American for UW Lacrosse wrestling. And I was uh, watching it with him and my father-in-law, who's a big you know fan of wrestling. And I'm I'm I like the wrestling community. I love the culture. I just never did it myself. 
But I was watching the Olympic trials. That was, dude, that was awesome. That was fun to watch. Was it 2015, I think, they were in Madison? I didn't so know Burroughs was 32. You could pay like 10 bucks and go in and watch it. Yeah. And a couple buddies did. So I saw Baylor getting absolutely, or Houston getting throttled by Baylor. So I was like, yeah, I'll watch the, the Olympic trials for wrestling, which was awesome. As, uh, is Burroughs like done done now? Like, is he, is Burroughs done done? He's dun? not, but he, he's getting pretty old. Who's the it? guy that was saying he was told the wrong dates for weigh in? I don't know. I didn't follow it as closely as you did. Well, I didn't watch any of it. I was more or less following on Twitter. This was a wrestler. He like didn't. He like was told he was off of his weight, and he was like making these excuses that the all the Olympic people told him the wrong dates. But you could, you know, when someone's lying. And Sounds can, like a guy that's not to Olympic uh, quality. If you, you don't know, even know the dates and times and and where you're at. You know when weight, you ask so. someone like a legit question and like they start looking everywhere like they start looking around everywhere and they start you can just tell by the sound of their voice that they're not confident in their answer it sounds like they're lying that's what it sounded like to me and maybe I'll, I'll have to get the research department on that but yeah we i knew uh i saw houston was getting throttled by baylor so like yeah i'll check this out but then the ucla gonzaga game that was a battle oh. that was a that was a hell of a game watching that first game the wow. baylor houston it just showed how good baylor really was i no mean they've, they've pretty much torn up every single team they've played Except for the Badgers. I mean, they still beat the Badgers by double digits. Well, the Badgers had their opportunities. But that game was about six or seven yeah. until they started the foul game with like a couple minutes left because they had to. Yeah, the Badgers got it, what, I think seven was the closest they got it in the second quarter? But or yeah, second I mean, half, I mean. that's probably been their most competitive game. Yeah, the Badgers. I, I, know, I know Villanova, what, they still lost by, was it 14, somewhere in there? Yeah, Baylor's just been housing everybody besides the Badgers. But that was good. And then obviously... The UCLA Gonzaga game was a great game to watch. That back and forth. That was one for the ages. Yeah, one team would come down and knock down a shot. Another incredible. team would come down and knock. It was like a heavyweight fight. Yeah. Each team throwing a punch and taking a punch. But my biggest thing was between the two games. What that Miley Cyrus halftime? Oh, I didn't watch. I didn't watch. I don't even know what you would call it. Performance. I didn't watch. Not a halftime performance, but between the two games. Yeah. My God, was that bad? I didn't watch. The if, singing was terrible. Her look was terrible. Oh, I I saw. I didn't see anyone like saying much about it. Almost as if that like, no one was watching it. Yeah. But uh, I was. Well, we were between games, so I had that TV on, and then I had my laptop flipped up for the Brewer see, game. See, if I don't like an artist or something, I just don't watch them. I just will change. Well, the I was channel. just waiting for the UCLA Gonzaga game to start. But my goodness, that was bad. Was was she doing Queen? She was. She sang a couple of her songs, and then it was like a lot of like other artist songs. It was like karaoke night with Miley Cyrus, and she was terrible at it. And so I, sent, <laughs> I just didn't. I just so didn't I watch. sent out the tweet, and then <laughs> That's funny. you know had some people like uh, tweet back at me like, yeah, she looks rough. And basically, I saw the funniest tweet ever. What and. I had to send it to to one of the listeners that tweeted at me, but this was the thing. Did you see her performance? Did you see what she looked I, like? I literally didn't. I saw up, I saw one picture of her, and she looked the like Miley Cyrus uh, March Madness performance. So you got a good, clear picture of what she looked like in, in this. I, I, does she have like a leather jacket on or something? Yeah, let's just say she looks like someone that would be at like your lower clientele local bar trying to sing karaoke, and you know she's a little rough around the edges. Oh yeah, here she is. Yeah. So this tweet, I just didn't watch. If I don't like it, I just don't pay attention. <laughs> this tweet that I saw, you tell me if you think this is spot on. Because I'm like, she reminds me of someone. All right, I got her picture right here. She reminds me of someone. I can't put my finger on it. And then I saw this tweet, and it made complete sense. I'm listening. 
Miley Cyrus looked like Sharon Stone from Casino after she cut her hair. Yes, yes. After yes. she cut her hair all short. Yes. And was all coked, coked up out of her mind and uh, blanking Joe Pesci. Yes, yes. That's she exactly does. the look. She looks exactly like Sharon Stone That's, at the end of tweet Casino. Was spot on. You're, yeah. Oh my God, she does look like Sharon Stone at the end of Casino. What a movie, by the way. Uh, let's see here. I got the phone lines blowing up. I'll get to you in a second. Uh, but our guy J8 Krebs Jordan says. How did you watch the Olympic wrestling trials? They were on um, uh, NBC Sports Network, I, if I memory serves me correct. My father-in-law Plus pays like... Plus, you can like, always find streams for that stuff, too. Yeah, my father-in-law, like, he's got the most expensive cable package one person can get. So he's got, like, every channel. So I think it was NBC Sports Network, if I remember correctly. But because we had a hard time finding it at first, and I was like, maybe Flow Wrestling has it or something, but then they found it on the... On the dial. So we're going to talk the the championship game tonight. Is there... Smiley Cyrus isn't performing again, is she? Oh, God, I hope not. Well, go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? What up, fellas? Mitch and Madison. Oh, Mitch and Madison. What's up, big homie? Dude, I know it's it, it's usually easy to just, like, make fun of halftime shows and stuff because a lot of people do it, but now that you are 100% right, that was probably the worst I've ever seen, and I couldn't change it because I was like, okay, game one is done, got to get the boys in to have their bath, so I get them in the bath, and then all of a sudden I hear this really bad person singing Queen, and the TV is too far away, and I didn't have the remote, so I had to suffer through almost that full halftime show because I don't want my kids to drown. Maybe <laughs> want to just drown myself. Let's say, all right, my kids um, drown or I go turn the channel. Mitch, to your point, like we've all watched a ton of Super Bowl halftime shows and a ton of this is right up there with probably the Black Eyed Peas as being the worst it I've ever seen. It was that bad. It was awful. Yes. Yeah. It's true. You know, and you. I just didn't watch it. I just. I just didn't pay attention. No, you said the the karaoke at the local bar by some barfly. Hey, I say karaoke two Fridays ago now. Oh no, I mean, but you don't. We don't take it serious because I do too. I'm not. But we're not like. Hey, I told people to throw me money if they didn't want me to sing anymore. No one gave me money. Someone that's at this bar regularly and they live or die on this. Okay. Yeah, I was. I'm not there regularly or live or die on it. Well, and there's nothing wrong with that, but you. I mean, our expectations should be a little higher. Exactly. uh, Like a show. Yeah, it it was beyond terrible, but I'm I'm glad that you guys are giving uh, Matt Mayer the uh, mullet man some love because that guy is a beast. Dude, he's still swishing. That guy rules. Oh yeah, yeah. I think, I'm in this. Well, I, was I was gonna, gonna say, say I'm in this. Uh, uh, I'm in this league like uh, where we pick t- players. Yeah. And he was one of the guys that I picked, and he's really paid off for me. So Miley Cyrus looks like Sharon Stone at the end of Casino, and the guy for uh, Baylor looks like Joe Dirt. And you know what's weird enough? Weird enough that their haircuts are actually pretty similar, except for you know the you know the feeling where it's like look good, play good, yeah. feel good. Yeah, yeah. She's got a mullet. Well, he looks good and he's playing good, so he must feel good. That look for her, not good, and she did not perform good. I I gotta watch this. I'm intrigued now. Well, and the worst part was the uh, dystopian like two people per square on the field. Oh god! Like six feet apart, oh, panting terribly. That was the worst. Like it, it was a scene out of like that fifteen million merits episode of Black Mirror. Oh, like, just, oh yeah, Black Mirror. What a show! Yeah. What a show! Hey, Mitch, who's yeah. winning tonight, Gonzaga or Baylor? Well, he better well, hope I, one team wins. Oh yeah, because you're yeah, you, you'll get say. some you'll get some monopoly money if one team wins. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I got second place on the line if uh, Baylor wins, so let's go, go Baylor, you know. Yeah. Otherwise, you're going to do not pass go, do not collect $200 or yeah, Monopoly money. Kids' shoes ain't cheap, man. <laughs> well, hey, uh, I don't know how you're going to buy them with Monopoly money, but best of luck, Mitch. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. <laughs> See you, buddy. <laughs> no, he's spot on. I'm telling you, it was, it was probably right up there with uh, Black Eyed Peas. It's because no one's there. I gotta hear like I mean everyone can sing this song. Any festival. Remember like when Lil Wayne tried to do like some metal stuff? <laughs> and it just guitar? didn't sound good. Hang on, let me hear this. Yeah, I'm done on that. That's no thanks. That's not for me. You know how Wayne did his little metal album yeah. for like a second, and yeah. it just wasn't good? Wheezy F. Well, which one? He did a little guitar one with Birdman, a.k.a. Baby. Like I Father, don't. Like Son. That was pretty good. You know I'm not 100%. Oh, inclined yeah. with all of the, all the info. Weezy, with, Weezy tried to go rock, and it was a it little was, tough scene. Yeah, it wasn't great. Yeah, it's like you got to know where your bread's butter. You got to know where your bread's butter. Stick to your rap, not go off on all these other random songs. It was literally like two of her songs, and the rest was all her singing karaoke. Well, I'm glad I skipped it then. Besides that little snippet I just played there, I just said no thanks, thanks. It, Rowdy, was like I, a, I, it was like the Black Eyed Peas train wreck. You couldn't turn it off. You're like, this has to get better at some point. Rowdy, right? I, de I declined the deal. I told them thanks, but no thanks. I declined the deal. All right, so how about on the court then? Because that UCLA-Gonzaga game was absolutely electric. That was one of the greatest games I think I've ever watched. How about that? That's everything you wanted and more for a Final Four game. I, I feel like we haven't had many of those games in the tournament. Well, I believe it was uh, Dave Portnoy. On Twitter that says... El Presidente? Yeah, that says, this... Okay, let's be real. This March Madness has sucked. There's no buzzer beaters. Yeah. Literally fast forward an hour and there's your and buzzer, buzzer beater. buzzer beater with the Baylor Bears winning it in just an epic. Or, I'm sorry, the uh, Gonzaga Bulldogs winning it in an epic fashion. In fact, I want to... Here, just do this. Seven seconds to go. Six seconds. Juzang in the paint. Fade away. No! Got his own rebound. Slithers to the rim and lays it Slithers. in. Three seconds to go. We're tied at 90. Here comes Suggs. Long three for the win. Oh! Gonzaga, one step closer to history. That dude is swinging a big pair after that shot, Rowdy. That was uh, that game was everything you wanted and more. And hopefully the final, you know, lives up to something tonight. Oh, I, it's got to be a good one, right? It's, it's got to be. You'd think it's two one seeds. You, uh, you know, Gonzaga, who's undefeated. They got that ride in form. Can they be the immaculate perfect team? You got the NBA products on there, and then you got the ballers of Baylor. Uh, the Baylor Bears are just electric, and the the mullet just flying through the wind. Who do you got? What is a uh, Bulldogs here by four and a half points? I think is what. Yeah, it is. Oh man! See, this is why I didn't bet the game. Yeah, it's hard. It's I, I'm just going to enjoy it as a fan. I guess if I, I would probably take Gonzaga. They've been the more. Yeah, they haven't lost. They once. haven't lost yet. I heard they're favored. 
They got a lot of good. I mean, both teams have a but lot of Baylor, good players. Baylor is just ballers. The only thing I hate about this game is that is that eight twenty. Yeah, why can't what the we? Hell, dude? Why can't we get like a seven o'clock tip? Why can't we get greedy and just get a six o'clock tip? I mean, I'll take a seven o'clock all day. Well, you got to think about the West Coast here. Screw the West Coast. I hate the West Coast. I mean, once you get way west, then they get real funny duddies out there. Give me, give me. I'll take a seven twenty tip as opposed to an eight twenty tip. That's insane. Eight twenty tips. Seven. I would go with seven thirty. But I'll take that. Yeah, I'll take that all day. Eight twenty. But you know the game's not going to start. You know that the halftime's going to be longer because they're going to have to commercial breaks. So many commercials jammed in. Who who is that? Now at eight twenty. Oh, it'll probably be eleven o'clock by the time it's over. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's probably going to be a badass game too. So you got to stay up all the way till freaking eleven, eleven thirty. Watch it going to overtime. That's why I decided to stay up till midnight. Um, well, I guess it would be Sunday morning. I guess Saturday night, doing all the heavy legwork for all the brackets. Oh yeah, because you're, you're monopoly, your monopoly figured money. out yeah. already. Uh, the halftime show. I got to figure out who the halftime show is for this. All right, I'll get the research department on that. I still think I think the best thing I heard between the basketball coverage from both games was Charles Barkley on the broadcast, oh, yeah. not even during a game. Yeah, Barkley was killing it. Uh, Barkley is, hit the nail right on the head. Um, big time. We're not a political show, so I won't go down the road, but what, what Charles Barkley said is exactly spot on. Divide and conquer for both sides of politicians. I couldn't agree more. <laughs> Have not talked about this yet. Wanted to get it on everyone's frontal lobe. So over the weekend, excuse me, Aaron Rodgers, uh, was on with Kenny Main on SportsCenter on Friday. So Friday, they were talking. And Rowdy, what? and you said this on Friday. I heard it replayed the fabulous Farm Bay Pam Yankee show this morning at 5.30. And we were talking about the the drama, the soap opera of Green Bay and between the brass and Aaron Rodgers. And you had mentioned, my God, this story is getting annoying. And I 110% agree with you. There's nothing I more annoying I don't even pay attention to it now, to be completely honest to you. I, I, like, I don't care until there's actual news coming out about hey we're not signing Aaron Rodgers or hey we're signing Aaron Rodgers to an extension or restructuring the deal like everything else is just static well, it's white noise well, who cares? how about how about when Aaron Rodgers was with Kenny Maine on Friday he had something to say do you want me to read the comments to you Rowdy about what Aaron Rodgers had to say about the whole situation well he, in fact I'm gonna let Rodgers say it himself uh so this is on April 2nd obviously on Friday here is Aaron Rodgers talking to Kenny Maine uh, about the situation in Green Bay. Do you want to finish your career there? Do you want to be a lifer in Green Bay? I mean, it's kind of kind of been your team so far. Yeah, so far it's definitely been my team. I said I said last year uh, I didn't know if that was actually possible uh, to to be able to finish there. I still feel like that's that's kind of where we're at. I mean, I don't I don't know that a lot of that's in my hands, but. Um, uh-huh. I guess we'll just we'll kind of see as we go. Excuse well, when you me? say things like that, then people he just said it's not in his hands. He might be right. Like things get misinterpreted. Wouldn't you like to just proclaim, I'm there. I'm your guy. I, I want to keep throwing for Lombardi Avenue all day. <laughs> Ken, you and I both know that's not how it works. No. That's what he says. Nelson, does anything in that comment feel good about anything about Rodgers and the brass? Here, I'll play it one more time of Aaron Rodgers. Last year, uh, I didn't know if that was actually possible uh, to, to be able to finish there. I still feel like that's that's kind of where we're at. I mean, I don't I don't know that a lot of that's in my hands, but um, I guess we'll just we'll kind of see as we go. Well, when you say things like that, then people he just said it's not in his hands. He might be right. Like things get misinterpreted. 
wouldn't you like to just proclaim, I'm there, I'm your guy. I, I want to keep throwing for Lombardi Avenue all day. <laughs> Ken, you and I both know that's not how it works. Brody, that, right, that gives me no good feelings whatsoever about the future of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Again, number 12 reiterates, and this time he's like, you should see his body language and how he, obviously you heard him talking, but how he was uh, describing how they haven't heard anything yet, he just looked like it was like, He's like, it's not me. It's I literally have nothing to do with this. It's I've I haven't heard a single thing. He just looks kind of like like it's not good. Rowdy. Yeah, it doesn't sound great. But then again, who exactly knows? And, and I, I'm going to keep reiterating, I don't care about anything until I hear <laughs> what Mark Murphy and what Brian Gutekunst cut him up and do. Because pretty soon we're gonna get far enough into this little cat and mouse game yep. where. They don't need to say anything to me. Their action is going to say everything. Totally. Well, maybe they, and, and maybe that, there's this reason. And yeah. that that will come that day will come before by about when season kicks off because if you haven't restructured Aaron Rodgers, I don't think by, it's happening. We'll even say June or July where there's still potentially, you know, those June cuts. Yep. If you haven't restructured, we'll say it by June. If they haven't restructured Aaron Rodgers by June, they don't need to come out and say anything cuz I know what they're doing. And Aaron Rodgers won't be around for much longer. Yeah, they're going to Jordan Love, right? Or else you would have restructured him. You would have created more salary cap uh, room to go out and sign more players to put all your chips on the table. No. It's like they got 10 chips in front of them, and they're like, yeah, we kind of want to redo this and, and run it back, but we kind of want to look for the future. So we're not going to go all in with our 10 chips. We're going to put six of them in there. Now, maybe the reason why they've been waiting to get this done is because... Our guy, Aaron Rodgers, starting today. By the way, I saw some pretty bad tweets about this. So did I. Actually, we're going to talk about it later on, Rowdy. I have it I have it on the docket today. Maybe they're putting it off because Rodgers just got done record, uh, recording Excuse me, his Celebrity Jeopardy, or his Jeopardy interviews, or his, he's the host, I should say, his Jeopardy episodes. So maybe they're letting Rodgers, because Rodgers was talking about how he's studying the tape, Hours and hours and hours of Jeopardy to make sure uh, he does, you know, carries on the legacy of Alex Trebek uh, at a high level. Rogers said he nailed it. So maybe they're letting the Packers brass, who probably are also Jeopardy fans, were saying, you know what, Rogers, you focus on, you know, doing Alex Trebek right and you go crushing on Jeopardy and then we'll figure out what happens with your contract and whatnot. But then I thought about it this way How often do the players even really have a say? It's always the agent doing the talking. So maybe we haven't heard anything because Rodgers has been prepping for Jeopardy as today marks the day when his episodes start airing. You going to watch it at all? No. (laughs) Neither am I. (laughs) Like, I'll occasionally... (laughs) You going to watch it at all? No. I'll occasionally (laughs) watch Jeopardy when, you know, you randomly turn on the TV and Jeopardy's on. I don't go out of my way. Or there's absolutely nothing on TV. If you're really scrolling, you're like, oh, it's, (laughs) it's a Jeopardy. Play along for a half hour. But to go out of my way to watch it, I don't care who's on it. No, uh, it's not like it's a terrible show. I just don't actively watch it. Yeah, same. I'm same. I had, I couldn't tell you the last and time I, I watched I, Jeopardy. I honestly don't care enough to watch it because Aaron Rodgers is on it. He's not even answering questions. He's asking the questions. Yeah. Hey, uh, Aaron Rodgers, what is you signing a contract extension? <clears throat> Wrong. Could you imagine if uh, no. 
Now they're on there to actually win money, and that's a serious thing because it's hard to get on. Could you just see if one of them was like a Packer fan just trolling them every time he – what is <laughs> oh, yeah, the, you not signing a contract? In the uh, the last question at the end where they give them that t- – you know, like the 30 seconds or whatever to get their time down or their answer down, it says, Aaron Rodgers, what is – will you restructure your deal? <laughs> Blank if the Packers aren't trying to re-sign you. <laughs> All right, we'll talk more Rodgers. And there's been a lot of r- r- just really, 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 really dumb tweets about Rodgers and Jeopardy, especially from a guy named Mike Florio. Is that the ones you're referring to? Uh, I just saw, I don't know if it was from Florio, but just uh, some casual people making comments about him being on Jeopardy. Well, starting today, you can catch Aaron Rodgers hosting Jeopardy for, what, two weeks? He already took like a pre-victory lap before they aired, saying he crushed it. Hit the ball out of the park, if you will. Threw Threw a Hail Mary touchdown and scored. Rogers said he watched hours and hours and hours of episodes of Jeopardy. And I think it's on Netflix as well, so he's probably crushing there. He went back to the DVR, and he said he watched from all kinds of different perspectives, from Alex Trebek's perspective. Uh, says he couldn't watch it as a fan anymore, so he's able to get in the mind of Alex Trebek, RIP. Rowdy, so Aaron Rodgers hosting Jeopardy. And then I saw this uh, tweet over the weekend from Mike Florio, Vikings fan and known Aaron Rodgers hater. And he says, would Aaron Rodgers retire from football to host Jeopardy? This wasn't the exact tweet that or tweets that I was referring to, but that is a pretty stupid one. It's one of the dumbest things I think I've heard. Would Aaron Rodgers retire from football to host Jeopardy? Mike Florio says Rodgers is extremely smart. Rodgers is extremely self-aware and Rodgers is extremely strategic. Now, I looked up Alex Trebek's uh, contract. He got ten million dollars, Rowdy, a year. That's uh, that's some pretty good money. Here's the thing, though. Why didn't he tweet? Obviously, it's because Aaron Rodgers is now intertwined with Jeopardy. Yeah. But couldn't you tweet that exact same thing for Russell Wilson? I believe Russell Wilson's a pretty smart individual. Yeah, he's very I, smart. I, I bet if you gave him the chance, he would he would take you up and say, "Yeah, I tried Jeopardy," but you're not sending out tweets like that. No, Florio just always will try to get uh, under the skin of Packer fans when it comes to Aaron Rodgers. Uh, let me just read a little bit here. Uh, I hate to give him publicity, but we're going to make fun of him, so it's whatever. So for Rodgers, the problem is the window may, may only ever open once for Jeopardy. Whoever gets the job may hold the job for so long that Rodgers never gets another chance. Alex Trebek had it for 36 years. $10 million a year. Uh, obviously, we're not getting $10 million when he first started, but that was a, a cash cow for Alex Trebek, obviously. So he's saying, Rodgers, uh, it's no accident or coincidence that Rodgers has made the rounds in recent days to hype his appearance. Apart from being extremely smart, self-aware, and strategic, he's insanely competitive. While Dr. Oz handled the two weeks before Rodgers, Rodgers wants the ratings to spike once he takes over, and they will, because Rodgers is a master of sending messages to his current employer while also retaining the ability to say, I'm not sending any messages. I think what Florio's trying to say is, Rodgers is in a position to either say he's going to quit and go to Jeopardy or have the Packers uh, re-up and give him more money. Is that the dumbest? I'm going to Is that the dumbest stuff you've ever heard? But if it is true, did you ever <laughs> If it is true that he would try and <laughs> that he would try and leverage this Jeopardy gig because it's only the one time he might be so able so to so get it. one shot. What is he? B Rabbit. So you got one shot, Rowdy. One opportunity. Yeah. If he really did care more about Jeopardy and wanting to, or at least using it as leverage, 
I honestly might side with Matt LaFleur and Brian Gutekunst on this and say, fine, get lost. We're moving in a different direction. <laughs> if that's more important than this team, then get lost. We don't want either. Hey, you want to throw your uh, your helmet and your uniform <laughs> in for a suit and tie? Have at it, man. I, I would call his bluff. Then do it. Let's see here. Count Murphy, Mark Murphy, as one of the millions who will tune in this week and next with an eye toward analyzing every word, movement, and facial expression from Rodgers in order to assess whether he truly has the chops to win the ultimate Jeopardy prize, hosting Jeopardy and no longer fronting the Green Bay Packers. Let's go to the phones quick. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Yo, man. Hey, Sean, what's up, brother? What's happening? Mario's a half-wit at best. I mean, first of all, let me ask you a serious question. I've heard different things, people talking about uh, how smart Rogers was, you know, whatever. He beat an astronaut in Celebrity Jeopardy many years ago. I'm not denying that he's smart. How smart do you have to be to host a game show. Yeah, yes, I feel like you have a you have a team of people helping you, producers, writers, et cetera, et cetera, directors, and you have people, you know, formulating the questions and whatnot. I mean you do have to be quick on your feet, which Rogers is, but yes, you have a whole team helping you behind the scenes. Exactly. And you think he's really gonna take a pay cut? Just shut up, Florio. Just why you know, I'm surprised Florio hasn't Tanya Harding Aaron Rodgers why? or at least hired why? someone to yeah, to, to pipe him in the kneecap? Yeah, he's why? such an asshat. Just shut up. So are you going to be watching Jeopardy then, Sean? No, I love Jeopardy. I think it's so fantastic. <laughs> I mean, it's, there are two types of people. There are the Wheel of Fortune people and the Jeopardy people, and I'm happy enough to be part of the Jeopardy people. <laughs> Sean, Florio, Sean, obvious, Florio obviously is a Wheel of Fortune person. <laughs> I have a question for you, Sean. Let's yeah. say let's 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 say that Florio is right here, which I don't think he is. But let's say Rogers does say peace out to the Packers and becomes the next host of Jeopardy for umpteen years. Will you still be able to watch Jeopardy knowing Rogers turned his back on your beloved Green Bay Packers? I already know Rogers is going to turn his back on the Packers in one way or the other. <laughs> okay, and, so you can watch another, it. Another reason I don't think he's going to take it is because it won't screw the Packers as bad as he wants to. <laughs> You know, it won't screw the Packers as bad as him going to Minnesota for the last three years of his season. This is a bitter, bitter man, and I love him for it. (laughs) Take it easy, guys. See you, Sean. Good stuff there. Let's go back to the phones. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Day in the day. Zach in the Dells. What's up, brother? Not much. I'm thinking what we should do or what Jeopardy should do. You know, you have Aaron Rodgers hosting it. I would like to have him as a contestant again. Then you throw Russell Wilson in there. And then the third NFL player you would probably want to throw in there is Ryan Fitzpatrick. Oh, yeah, Harvard, Harvard, right? Yep. So I think those three would be kind of – I think it would be the battle of quarterbacks. Then you can have one episode where it's the Ooh, best Zach, three of tackles. Good idea. If you're, if you're going with uh, quote-unquote brainiac quarterbacks, you bring in Wilson, you'll bring in uh, Rodgers, and you'll bring in Fitzpatrick, and you know who will host? Peyton Manning, oh. the guy that's actually Ooh. retired. And they could put advertising on Peyton Manning's five head. The tweet that uh, I saw was Brady was back to work three days after winning the Super Bowl, and Rodgers, considering himself back to work, was prepping for State Farm commercials and Jeopardy. <laughs> Who cares? There's one guy that has seven rings, and the other has one. Okay, there's one guy who's got a, a legit defense, and one guy who's never really had one besides like one year. Well, I thought it was kind of funny too, but that's, I mean, it's funny. <laughs> Obviously, who would you rather take the brain of Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers to put in your quarterback? Like, let's say we're making a Frankenstein quarterback. Whose brain are you plopping into that uh, freak body? I'll put in Rodgers' brain. Yeah, I would take Rodgers too. 
even with all that Jeopardy knowledge. What you're, talking, you you're, ta- you're talking just intelligence, though, right? Yeah. Because obviously Tom Brady's not dumb. No, no, but, no he's uh, not dumb at all. Tom Brady, but it would also be brain, but just that uh, winner's attitude. Yeah, the mentality. Yeah, the mentality and the attitude. Maybe you put in Tom Brady's heart. Roger's brain, Brady's heart. What do you think about that? I still think if I had to pick anyone, I'd go with Peyton Manning's brain. Yeah. What about his forehead? Put an advertisement on that? It's a big-ass forehead, dude. Call that a five-head. All right, there you go. Rodgers has a lot of dumb tweets coming out Rodgers and Jeopardy. Here's the thing. Rodgers on the offseason is allowed to have his own life and do other things that isn't football, like I'm yeah, sure Tom only, Brady does too. There's only only so many hours of a day that you can be working at your craft, right? Yeah, you need to be able to do other things to keep your freaking sanity. My God, Mike Florio just shook over Rodgers doing this. Yeah, Mark Murphy's going to be watching, analyzing every word, movement, facial expression to see if he's coming back to the Packers. Uh, Florio, shut up. All right. All right, there you go. There's a. I'll check out. I'm not a big Jeopardy guy. I usually don't watch like the daytime like game shows at all. But I will. Ch- I will check out a couple episodes. Like I'm sure there'll be some trending on Twitter. I'll go check it out. I don't think I'll go out of my way to tune in. But you know, more will be revealed. 